Amen. Well, this morning I will be digging into uh, part three of the, the short series that we've been doing. Uh, and and I've, I've entitled this one, A Community of Sharing. It's So, Church of Christ, part three. All right? And, and we've been looking at Acts 2. And uh, I know that's not an inspiring title uh, as a whole or subtitle. But it's, we've been looking at what does it mean to be the church of Christ. And, and so I, first, I, I just want to say, and I've said this every week, and I want to clarify it again because I think it's important. Um, I, I've titled this the Church of Christ because we've been looking at Acts. And, and in Acts 2, we see the, the formation of the first century church. And it's, it's Jesus' church. It's, it's Christ's church. They, they were called the way, the way of the Nazarene. They had other names that we see in the New Testament. But it was just, it was church. And it belonged to Jesus. And so it was Christ's church. And that's why I've called it the Church of Christ. Not to make the point of, you know, we're the one and only, that there's none other than us. I, I actually don't believe that. I think if you're adhering to the Scriptures and you're obeying God's Word, it doesn't matter what the name of the door is. It matters if you belong to Jesus. Yeah. Right? And, and so as the Church of Christ, it means the people of Christ, the community of believers. And as we dig into Acts 2, uh, we're, we've been looking at what these people are devoted to. You know, we've been looking at uh, this, this short series, um, specifically honing in on verses 36 through 47, where we find a community of people who are just deeply connected to one another. I mean, they, they are in love with Jesus. They're enjoying the, the grace and the favor of the whole community. I mean, they're just passionate about the coming Messiah. And they've been moved, and they're doing some radical things, and they're building some incredible habits. And, and you just see a people overflowing with generosity and zeal and faith and courage and love for one another and love for God. And, and so much more is, is coming from these people. But as we've been digging into this, I've been looking at verse 42. And, and it tells us that the church devoted themselves to a few things. Right? We look at some of the habits that they had and the things they devoted themselves to. And, and so we've pulled out these four, right? We've talked about the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the breaking of bread, uh, sorry, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And last week we talked about the idea of what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, someone who is just devoted to learning. And, and from there, I want to keep going and look at this concept of what it means to be devoted to fellowship. Come on. All right? You guys with me? Yeah. And so, in this, this process, I think it's important that we look at this, because here's a people that, I mean, the, the effect of their faith and how they devoted themselves to the, these habits, really, changed their community. And, and, and eventually, it changed the world, right? And so, for us, it provides us the opportunity to look at it and go, why did they do that? What motivated them? What did they do? And what does that mean for us, right? How do, what do we do with that information? And so, this morning, I want to spend a, a lot of time just looking at the, the deeper dive into this, this word that is even used for... Fellowship. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn with me. Go to Acts 2. We're going to read this, and uh, then we're going to kind of do some diving in. All right? Come on, Mike. All right, come on, Mike. Come on, Mike. 
Starting in Acts 2, verse 36. Peter is speaking, and he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we've, we've looked at this, right? The, the four things that kind of break down the devotion to the apostles' teachings, and we talked about learning. And so today we're going to talk about fellowship. And later we're going to talk about the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I've already given you guys a, a little bit of of the uh, a prelude to this, just from comments over the last couple of weeks. But let me ask you by a show of hands. When you hear the word, they devoted themselves, or you hear this phrase, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. How many of us immediately think they, voted, they devoted themselves to going to church? Anybody? Who thinks like they devoted themselves to uh, the body of believers? Who thinks so? Okay. So most of us. So here's what's interesting. Uh, in the 19 times that this, the, the word that they use here is koinonia, alright? In the 19 times that it appears in the New Testament, it doesn't ever mean the body of Christ. It doesn't. It's interesting is, is when you think about it, so here, is the, here are the 17 scriptures that koinonia is going to show up in. And actually, I encourage you to take a photo of this or if you're really quick at writing, to write them all down. They'll be up there for a little bit. Um, and go and study this, because as we're all learners, right, of Christ, and we dig into the scriptures, um, I want to encourage you to go and, and verify what I'm telling you on your own. Sit down and, and read the scriptures later and, and, and take a look at this. But in contemporary Greek, which is, which is say, non-biblical uh, sources, the word koinonia, which is what is used as fellowship here, Shows up as, it's used in the term of like a business partnership, right? It, it talks about the union that a man and a woman has when they get married. They, they blend their lives completely, right? And I mean, that's, that's the Greek usage of, of outside of the Bible. They're talking about how they become one, like their whole life is just blended together, right? And then, and obviously we see that happen throughout scripture, but it, as well as you see in, in classical Greek, they use it as a union to God. You know, and some of them, are, it, it's been used in different writings by scholars of talking about being, trying to be united with Zeus, or the different 
um, different Greek gods and whatnot, but it's, it's talking about a union. Now, it goes on from there, though, to not just talk about uh, unity. So it, it talks greatly about koinonia being about unity. In the scriptures, we do see that. We see that the it talks about this concept of participating in or sharing in something together. Let me just see really quick. Okay. So when we look at the passage and, and we consider what it means, the first thing we have to understand is it does not mean going to church. It, it doesn't mean like going and, and being devoted to like meetings of the body. Okay? The koinonia is actually something that the body of Christ does. Right? The body is devoted to unity. The body is devoted to sharing. The body is devoted to a partnership with one another. You guys get what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's more of an action of what they're doing than saying that's, this is the church. It's, it's not what it was. You guys with me? And as, as you guys study, sit down and study this out, hopefully throughout this week, and, and go over these scriptures, I'd encourage you to think about, what does that mean for me? Because to me, it's, it's meant a lot. And I'm only going to cover a few of those at the end of my sermon, what it meant to me, uh, and what I think it can mean to us, but it can mean a whole lot more. But when you think of this word, fellowship, why, why do we think of it as like a group? Why do we think of it as, as like uh, uh, a common people? You know, it, the word fellowship became hugely popular in the early to mid-20th century. I mean, if you look at word usage, it just goes like on a crazy radical rise starting about early 19th or early 20th century and then just keeps going to like the, into the 21st century, okay? Now, quick question, nerd question. Can anybody name... A literary work that's about mid-century that starts with fellowship in the title. Yes. That's why I love this church. I appreciate you all. Yeah, 1948, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Fellowship of the Ring. And uh, you can actually take a class on Tolkien literature at UVM, which is, I found actually so appealing. Uh, but they, they study it out and... and they talk about how the Fellowship of the Ring is sometimes referred to as just the company of the ring. It's, it's the group, or these, this group of nine people that are together, and they hold something in common. They have a, they, because they have it in common, it brings them to unity, and, and they are apparently a community, right? But they're, they're a group that hold these things and participate in this one event together. And this word went from being a, about, like, Hey, we have fellowship, we have unity, we have, we have this participation together to becoming about, oh, we are a fellowship. And even as I've referred to church for years, I've said, we're, well, this is our fellowship, or the fellowship of churches. Or, it, do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's, that's 20th century usage. That's not biblical usage. Yeah. And it's interesting because how I've even looked at scripture, it's, it's changed how I've read the Bible. And so I think it's, it's, you know, it's incredible to see that the Bible is a diamond. We've been talking about this one passage for three weeks now. And so it's, it's one of those where it's multifaceted. Just taking a little turn and looking at this different edge gives you 
a totally different view of God's beauty and what he's made. You're like, whoa, I didn't see that before. And that's really cool. And, and there's just more depth and more facets than, than we can really understand. And it's why, in God's word, it's so incredible. We could spend weeks on just one passage of scripture, right? And even just understanding how one element is made, it, it changes our whole perspective. It's changed my perspective on scripture. So you guys with me? Yeah. Amen. I, uh, I look at this, though, and in the 19 times that it appears, as I said, not once does it ever mean the body or the church or the community of believers, and, and neither does it mean a social gathering. And so when we use the term, uh, oh, it was a great time of fellowship, what, is, what does that mean to you? It's always been like, oh, we were hanging out with the other disciples, or we were hanging out with Christians and spending time together. Um, and, and spending time together is a part of it, but I want to dig into what koinonia means a little bit more uh, specifically, right? And uh, there's a, a Christian scholar, and I mentioned him last week, William Barclay, this is one of the things he wrote. He said, Koinonia is the spirit of gener- uh, generous sharing contrasted with the spirit of selfish getting. It's, it's, it's the spirit that you have. Yeah. And we go back in Acts 2 in a little bit, and we look at this, once we understand this, I think it may even change how we look at Acts 2, we consider it. But when we think about this idea, it says they devoted themselves to what? To sharing and to unity. The, um, the passage, as it, as it looks at it, they, they dig into this concept that in, biblical, in, in the biblical sense, right, it's about sharing something together. Koinonia is, is so much used about, we have a shared, uh, I, I'm specifically I'm sharing my faith with you, like we share Jesus together. Like when we take communion, what are we doing? We're, we're having a shared experience, are we not? Yeah. So we're having fellowship. When we worship together, we're having a shared experience. right? And it's also, though, it talks about a number of times throughout the, the passage it uses. It says that koinonia is actually a sharing of physical resources. So you have a devotion to sharing your physical resources. Hmm. And, and a, we have a devotion to unity and to sharing. You guys with me? Mm-hmm. Now, when you think about what this means, right? And, and if you want a couple scriptures to go and look at that, I'm going to give them to you if you're writing it down. Obviously, this scripture here in Acts 2, but Romans 15, verse 26, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 13, and Hebrews 13, verse 16. I'll say them again really quickly. I know some are putting it on the phones. Romans 15, verse 26. 2 Corinthians 9, 13. And Hebrews 13, verse 16. Right? So I encourage you to go back and, and dig into those scriptures and look at what I'm saying. Because it's, it's going to build your own conviction on what it means to be devoted to fellowship as a disciple of Jesus. Right? Um, but if, if that's what Christianity, if that's what koinonia means, it means a devotion to sharing, because we are unified and we're devoted to sharing something, you actually get to see this played out in Acts. And if you look at your Bible, 
many of you will see that there's a header on this passage. And what does it say? Anybody, what's the header on this passage right here? It says the fellowship of believers. Um, and, and headers are, they actually weren't there when they wrote the Bible. Those have been added by scholars much later. So don't read those as religious texts. It just helps to understand. But let's look at this passage again in the concept of they're devoted to sharing. And let's see if it fits. All right? Let's read it again. Starting verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You guys see what I'm talking about? I mean, it literally talked about they're, they're devoted to the sharing of their resources amongst one another. Now, we talked about what this was like. We talked about how in Jerusalem at this time period... Uh, I know, I'm kill- I can tell I'm killing you, some of you, with the, the like teaching aspect here. Some are eating it up and some are, are, are loving it. But um, the, uh, you look at this time period in Jerusalem and what's going on, there's Pentecost, thousands, tens of thousands of extra people have shown up into Jerusalem. right? They, they came for Pentecost uh, for a Jewish festival, so Jews come from all over the known world, and the city is just packed out. It is a giant celebration going on. Uh, for all of these Jews. And then the Pentecost happens. I mean, the, the, the Spirit of God comes. The kingdom comes with such incredible power. It begins to be preached. The first Christian sermon is preached here, is what we see in Acts 2. Thousands of people become Christians, and then nobody goes home. <laughs> just thousands of house guests just stick around in the city, right? people looking for places to stay, and, and the Christians are having to figure out how are we going to make this happen, and, and people start running out of like the money that they brought with them because they can't go to the ATM and get some more cash. You know, they're just, they're there. And so what ends up happening is there becomes this great need. And, and they're sticking around obeying Jesus because Jesus said, hey, stay in Jerusalem and, and do these things, and, and everybody's just, it's a big giant party. But this their devotion to the fellowship, to the sharing, to, to the love, because of what they've been given in Jesus, begins to overflow. They're like, we're here. What? Why would I not help take care of you? You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my family. We're part of God's kingdom together. Like, the Messiah came, and I am saved. Like, what does it matter that I have you know, this extra house in this part of the city or this piece of land that's, you know, outside the city. Like, sure, I I don't need that right now. I'm going to sell that and I'm going to help take care of my brothers and sisters that are here. And so people started selling their things to to provide for the needs of all the extra Christians in the city. And it was the the fellowship, the sharing of the resources amongst the believers, right? But what we see is that that sort of thing continued. And it, it, it continued... Through the rest of the New Testament uh, that we're going to see, uh, we're only going to look at one other main passage on this, but I still encourage you to go and look at the passages I gave you. But do you see it? You see the sharing? Yeah. 
Their devotion to the fellowship, it's not a devotion to the body. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Right? They're, they're devoted to one another. They're devoted to unity and to sharing. And even this word uh, that you see, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who uh, Excuse me. Oh, there it is. It says, believers were together and had everything in common. That word common is not koinonia, but it's koin. Koin. Sorry, excuse me. Koinonos. Um, and it just means common property. They began to just share. Now, now was this the beginning of um, communism? <laughs> no. It's not like the state suddenly owned everything. This is more like saying, hey, you know what? I have, I have some extra and you are in need. And you're my brother, so I'm going to bring this and present it to the church. And I'm going to meet the basic needs. I'm going to meet the needs of my brothers and sisters. Right? I'm going to care for them and take care of them and make sure that, that they have what they need. Because that's what Jesus does for me. Right? Um, and, and so, as we, we consider this, we've got to look at what does this mean for our lives, right? And we'll, we'll dig into that in a second. But I want to ask the question is, what motivated these people? What moved them to live this way and be this way? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. On mic. Oh, Bowser. Now, I don't know about you, but it bothers me when I learn that I had a misconception about something. I mean, I, I love learning stuff like this, but it really bothers me. Because then I'm like, somebody didn't teach me right. And I'm offended. Um, and the reality is, is I'm a minister of God's word. And that's why I've shared in the last couple of weeks. I've been like, oh my goodness. I've literally been teaching this wrong for years. How do you think I feel if you feel frustrated? I'm the one that's been teaching it. I'm frustrated I've been taught wrong. And I'm frustrated that I've been teaching wrong. So first off, let me just apologize that I've not done that the right way. But... That's part of why we've got to be students of the scripture. Yeah. You've got to be students of the word, guys. We've got to begin it. And so I apologize on my behalf, but I also say, hey, we're all scholars of the Bible. We're all disciples of Jesus, right? And let's fight to learn these things together and bring them up so that it's a little thing, but it's a thing. I, I, I want to have God's word on point, right? So, but let's look here in 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to start in verse 1. And, and you guys pay attention, and, and I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I want somebody to tell me if they can tell me what word is koinonia in this passage, okay? Starting in verse 1. It says, now brothers, we want you... To know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. One of the most severe, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us uh, for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had he had earlier made 
a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. Anybody want to guess where koinonia is in there? Anybody? Sharing in verse 4. That's right. Good one. Yeah. And, and it, it shows up. He's talking about the, the concept of they, they pleaded to be able to share. It says they urgently pleaded. Now, put it this way. If I told you I'm going to leave you out of the fellowship, how would you feel about that? Wait, what? No, no, no. They're, they're saying, don't leave us out. We want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of, of the sharing, of, of the unity, of the giving. Of, of We want to be there. We want to participate in this. Don't leave us out of the fellowship. They pleaded to be a part of the fellowship and participating in the generous giving, right? And, and you see this conviction of these Christians to go, no, 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 I want to give. What? But my question is, is, why did they want to give? Why did they want to do it? Right? And, and what we see in this passage is that here they are, this, this group of people. <laughs> First, let's just look at this. It, why do they want to do it? It's because of grace. I'll just throw it out there. It's because of grace. But look at verse 1, and let me ask you this. Look at verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, uh, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace of God given the Macedonian churches. Now, if I told you, if I came up here and I said, guys, I want to tell you about it, the grace of God in what's going on in the, in the Boston church, right? Or the grace of God that's going on in, uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. How many of us would be expecting that I'm going to start telling you about how they're just converting people like crazy? That's what I would expect. That, that suddenly, like, there's just the Spirit of God is showing up in an incredible way, and people are just, like, coming out of the woodwork and studying the Bible, and they're having baptisms left and right, and they're, they're just seeing all these people become Christians. That's what I would expect if you started telling me about, let me tell you about the grace that's shown up in the Tallahassee church right now. And, and that's, what, that's what, how Paul starts to the Corinthians. He goes, let me tell you about the grace that's shown up to the Macedonians. And you know what that grace did? It motivated them to fellowship, to sharing. Grace moved these people to a radical act of generosity. Right? right. Of, of sharing amongst one another. And, and so when you think about the early church, they're devoted to the fellowship. They're devoted to, to unity. They're devoted to sharing. That's an act of grace, mm-hmm. the grace of God, moved by the grace of God. You know, it's, and, and here are these, I mean, these are incredibly poor people. The, the Macedonians are outrageously poor. And, and Paul's like, they, they pleaded with us. To not be left out. We weren't even going to ask them because they're so poor. We weren't going to ask. And and it almost comes across like they're maybe not insulted, but they're like, no, like please don't leave us out. You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. They're so moved. They're so like passionately. I, 
please don't do that. Like, you're, you're hurting me to leave me out, kind of a pleading, don't do that. Let us show you our dedication to this. And then they, they give so generously. He's like, I don't, I don't even understand how they did it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. And so he writes to the Corinthians. He's like, and so guys, I'm, I'm telling you, what you need to do is, is be like the Corinthians. And so you have, you have the, I didn't highlight grace up there, but you have that all of this fellowship, all of this generosity is motivated by grace. And if you want to be devoted to the grace of God, or to the, to the fellowship of believers, you've got to be moved by grace as well. Mm-hmm. Right? And when you look at this word grace, the word is, is kares in the Greek, um, and it often is, is like a gift or charity or a sense of generosity. Um, it can be interpreted as favor. And, and it shows up in a lot of these passages where koinonia is. It even shows up in Acts 2 at the very end. It just says they enjoyed the favor, which is to say the grace of all the people. And, and it's incredible to me that grace was still there when we talk about fellowship. And if you look at what charis, like C-H-A-R-I-S, is what grace is in the Greek. And you think of a word that's similar, charity. It's an undeserved gift that's just given from, from a heart of generosity. And that's what we've been given in Jesus. Is it not? That's what the, the cross really is to us. And so, I look at this passage and, and honestly, that, that's, that's what I have for you for content, okay? For, for the, the teaching part of, of this sermon, okay? You've got koinonia, is, is moved and motivated by Christ, by grace. And grace is found in the cross of Christ. We are moved by Jesus. And if you're not moved by Jesus, I encourage you to get in your Bible. Study the cross. Study out who he is and what he's done for us. But, but get to a place. Ask somebody to teach you about what you've been given in Christ. And I loved Kyle's point, slash really Emmy's point, right? Faith is, is really, growing in faith is remembering what God has done. Growing in grace is understanding and learning what Jesus has done. It really comes back to learning, which goes back to our sermon last week. You can't go anywhere until you're a learner. But as you dig into this, I just hope that we can understand, that, and, and I, that's what I have for content, but I'm going to give you how this applies to me and why this rocked my world in a second. But I just look at it and I go, what's next? What do I need to do now? If I'm moved by the fellowship, I'm moved by grace. And so, I've already had a conviction that I want to give generously um, and materially, and that's why Ryan always jokes that I talk about winning the lottery all the time, because I do, and I have all these grand plans about how I want to give things away, and I would just love to do it. And um, If you spent more than an hour in the car with me, I pretty much guarantee you we've talked about it. That or superpowers. Um, you know, but when you look at, at this, you know, my conviction of needing to contribute to the needs of my brothers and sisters and of the work of God's ministry has only grown by this study, by digging into it. You know, and, and the reality is I had a couple of days of deep frustration when I studied this out. Um, 
I was frustrated because I feel robbed by our economic system of today. Um, not, and I don't mean in any political sense. I'm not talking about anti-capitalism or, or pro-socialism or, or any any sort of form of government. I'm, I'm talking about the way that we are. I feel like we're handicapped from being real in Koinonia because now, if if I need something, you know what I get to do. You know what I can do. I can pull out a credit card and I can incur thousands of dollars in debt. Rather than going, brother or sister, can you help me? And 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 it just it balloons from there. I, I get I was frustrated as I was studying this out because I'm like, it makes it harder to give. It makes it harder to be given to. It 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 makes it harder for. Yeah, I can still contribute, and we're one of the wealthiest nations of all time. And, and there was so much there, but it frustrated me as I dug into it that our our system makes it a little bit harder. For us to be generous, to accept help, it's it's to I'll just I'll incur a little bit more debt um, if I if I need to, and it made me all the more passionate about I want to fight to be debt free mm-hmm. as much as I can because it just makes it more possible for me to be generous to others mm-hmm. and and even to stay out of debt. Um, not that I want to ask for help, you know, but if I need to, I need to. And that's hard because my, my system just tells me, our system just tells me, just incur some debt, right? right? Just It's not that hard. I literally just swipe a card. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's way easier than coming to somebody and saying, I really need some help. Right. Can you help me? Well, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. No. And so it was just frustrating me. I mean, even now, I don't know why, but I feel like super emotional about it. Because I just, it's harder to live as a Christian. Because it's just become so much more complicated. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd encourage you, dig into it. Think about it. Um, the, the second thing I look at is, here, as a disciple, my heart decided long ago that I was going to be committed to the body of believers. I, I, was, I decided long ago that I was going to be committed to fellowship because that's what the Bible said. It, I see that the Christians did. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, now, though, I've had to make the change in my heart that understanding fellowship is also, it's not a social hangout time. It's not a social hang time. I mean, you have felt like right now we have fellowship because we just, we're, we're experiencing and enjoying fellowship. Why? Because we're, we're joined in the word of God. We are, we've been joined in worship together. We, we are experiencing fellowship because we shared communion with one another, right? We shared Jesus, the blood and body and the blood of Christ, right? So this is real fellowship. Right. When we get together and hang out, and, and that happened a lot more as a college student and as a young professional, where we just get together and hang out, and I was like, it was a great time of fellowship, we just hung out. We, wouldn't, we didn't necessarily talk about anything spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and our concept of being devoted to, I, I need to now switch my mind to go, when I'm present with Christians, I want to be devoted to fellowship, mm. not just hanging out. Mm. I want to have a, a Christian fellowship of being with my brothers and sisters, right. of sharing Christ when I'm with you, of, of sharing in prayer and worship. Now, that's not to say, please, let's just hang out. Sometimes we just need to hang out. We need to watch a movie. We need to go for a hike. 
let's go fishing. If you don't like fishing, you don't have to come. But you know what I mean? It's like, but here's the thing is, you need those times too. And, and I wanted to read a quote actually because I felt like it really, uh, there's, a, there's a scholar, and uh, it's Donald S. Whitney. He's a, a teacher. Um, he's an actual professor at a uh, seminary school. But he wrote this. He, he said, One of the reasons of the susceptibility to mentally disconnect our practice of discipleship from life in the local church is the, is the common Christian failure to distinguish between socializing and fellowship. Mm-hmm. Although socializing is both a part of Part of the context of fellowship, it is to socialize with without having any fellowship. Socializing involves the sharing of human and earthly life in ways common to both believers and unbelievers. Right? Christian fellowship, New Testament koinonia, involves talking about God and the things of God and the life from a uniquely Christian perspective. Don't under, don't misunderstand. Socializing is a gift of God a valuable asset of the church, and necessary for a healthy spiritual life. But it is my observation that we engage in true fellowship far less than we believe we do, even as a church. Far too often, socializing becomes a substitute for fellowship. And when this happens, our practice of the spiritual disciplines suffers, and our growth in grace is stunted. Right? And so... If it's about sharing Jesus, we're missing it. Right. We're just hanging out. We're not actually being devoted to as we see here in Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Right? And the only thing I would I would make a, a point to change about what Whitney says is it was right here at the end. He says, far too often, socializing becomes a substitute for fellowship. When this happens, our practice of the spiritual discipline suffers. And here's what I would change. And our growth in grace is revealed. He says that it was stunted. I'd say it's revealed. Because if we're spending more time just hanging out, are you really growing in God's grace? I mean, the grace of God was so evident that these people are pleading, please don't leave me out of this. Right. Like, the, the grace of God was radically changing the face of, of the world at this time. And so if we're just hanging out talking about football all the time, it's, it, and again, it's okay to talk about these things some of the time. If we're talking about the latest Netflix show or, or you know, just about work and what's going on. Are we really growing in the grace? Mm-hmm. Right? Or are we, are we just dwindling? You guys with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, I, I want to grow in the grace of God. And I'd encourage you to take a look at 1 John 1, 1 through 7. Just write it down for yourself. We're not going there. But it talks about the only way you're going to grow in fellowship with one another is to first grow in the grace of Christ. Or first to grow and have fellowship with Christ. And so for us guys, as we dig in, as we're the community of believers, as we live as the church of Christ, right? As we live as this body, let's be devoted to fellowship to the unity of believers, to generosity. And I think this is something the church is really great at. You know, and, and let's let's be real. It's talking about giving financially. And I think we do a great job at that as a church. I've actually been very proud of us over the years 
I mean, the way that we give to special missions, and I have not, I, I have failed to be excited about this and celebrate this the way that I should, but for the past three years, we've taken up offerings for special missions, and for the past three years, we've, ex- we've exceeded our goal. Amen. Like, we have ten times our <laughs> weekly giving. We, for the last three years, I think we've done eleven times. Right? I think that's amazing. That that's, we, it shows that, wow, we have a generous heart in our church. Now, I think that there are some of us who could probably do a little bit better at being consistent in our generosity and in our fellowship, right? So if that's you, you know that. But to the majority of the church, you guys are you're doing awesome. You guys are such an incredible example. And I'm so proud, I'm so proud to be a part of this church. I feel like Paul, when he talks about the Macedonians, I'm like, our church is awesome. You guys are amazing, and I am so grateful for you. But let's continue to excel in the grace of giving. Let's continue to excel in in fellowship with one another and and enjoying the favor of all of the people. Because as we do this, as you see in the scriptures, thousands of people became Christians. And really it all stemmed from their love of God. So let's love God, let's love each other, let's be devoted to being together in, in a unified sense and in sharing together in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.